welcome to Yahoo Stories, the podcast that brings your creative writing to life. This week, Lois Grant brings us The Dog That Would Be a Prince, read to you by the leading lady in Prime Videos, the marvellous Mrs. Maisel, it's Rachel Brosnahan. And remember, you can help us fight COVID-19 in Africa by following the link in the description and donating to GeneCo. It was breakfast time on a Sunday morning and the weather was horrendous with a howling wind rattling the window frames in the old house and rain lashing against the glass. Just the sort of day I'm bound to be called out, Steve thought as he helped himself to another cup of coffee. At that very moment, the phone rang. Henderson and Prendergast Veterinary Surgery, announced Jill, Steve's wife. She took the message and turned to her husband. It's Big Dave, she told him. He thinks there's an animal trapped at the Brooks place, but he can't reach it. Big Dave was the village policeman, and Steve knew he would only phone if it was important. So, with a last gulp of coffee, he grabbed his keys and headed out. What's the problem? He called out as he joined Dave at the Brooks house. The house had just been bought by newcomers to the village and was undergoing extensive repairs. The garden was a sea of mud with masonry and building paraphernalia everywhere. Hello, Steve, replied a miserably drenched Dave. I was doing my usual Sunday morning patrol and when I got here I could hear a whining noise. There seems to be something wriggling around in a sack in the space between the garden wall and that pile of bricks. Being my size, I can't reach it, but I reckon whatever it is, it'll probably need a vet at some point. It's down there, he said, pointing. Steve could hear the whimpering, and peering into the gap made out a sack twitching in the pool of water that had accumulated in the rain. With great difficulty, Steve squeezed into the narrow space and retrieved the sack. It was absolutely sodden with water running from it as he lifted it up to inspect it. Something was still moving inside. With Dave's help, Steve placed the sack on top of a convenient plank and cut the baler string holding it closed. A black head popped out at once. It was a dog. As they freed it, they could see that it was some sort of whippet. All its legs were tied together with baler string and it was extremely thin shivering with cold and fear, as well as being absolutely sopping wet. Who would do such a thing? puzzled Dave. It's no one from this village, that's for sure. I'll take him down to surgery and see what I can do with him, Steve said. I'll begin asking about in case anyone saw anything, but I don't hold out much hope, said Dave with a sigh. Steve picked up the shivering bundle and, wrapping it in the car blanket, placed it carefully on the back seat of the car. He looks like a young dog who's had a hard life, so I think I can patch him up okay, he called out to Dave. Thanks for coming so quickly. It's handy having a vet in the village. Look in on the surgery tomorrow and see how he's getting on. Back at the surgery, Steve carried the dog into the treatment room, 
dried him down, and talking to him gently gave him a quick examination. He was covered in cuts and would have many bruises but had no serious injuries. A little food and a warm kennel is what you need just now, said Steve as he put a handful of dried dog food in a bowl. With a slight wag of the tail, the food was wolfed. Steady, lad, you'll be sick if you eat like that, laughed Steve as he put his patient into a recovery kennel with a heat lamp and soft bedding. He picked up the phone and called his animal nurse, Sandra, and explained the situation. She was very shocked, but promised to come in, even though it was a Sunday, to give the little dog small portions of food and short walks outside to exercise. By now, Steve had other cases to attend to. On Monday morning, Steve and Sandra addressed the animal in front of them. He was indeed a peculiar-looking creature, a bit like a whippet, but somewhat larger and very thin. His body looked far too big for his head, but his eyes were bright, and he wagged his tail as they observed him. He's a real poppet, exclaimed Sandra, and that is what he was called whilst he was looked after at the surgery. As the days went past, Poppet gained in strength and weight, and he became everyone's favorite in the surgery. But of course, the problem was, what to do with him? He had to be rehomed, but his looks were against him. Steve and Jill could not take him on, as they already had a terrier that hated other dogs. Sandra had a household with three cats, and none of the rest of the staff were able to give him a much-needed home. The practice tried and tried to find someone to take him, but poor Poppet was rejected by all who came to see him. He looks very odd and he doesn't even bark. His head is too small for his body and he's too big to be a real whippet. And most unkind of all, he's a bit too ugly. So poor Poppet had no takers. Reluctantly, after two weeks plus a few extra days hoping for a new local owner, the vet's practice was faced with the prospect of contacting a rehoming charity. Poor Poppet, sighed Sandra. I know they'll be kind to him, but it's not the same as having a loving home, is it? She reached for the phone. Let's face it, he could spend the rest of his life in there. He'll never win a beauty contest, and he's such a quiet, gentle beast that... He's bound to be passed over for dogs with more personality. The next day, the van arrived from the charity to collect Poppet, and Sandra sadly brought him out of the kennels and gave him a final hug. Poppet did not make a sound as he looked up trustingly at Sandra, who had tears in her eyes. Just as he was about to be put in the van, the receptionist came running out. Dr. Steve, your wife says she may have a home for Poppet. Everything stopped as Steve rushed to the phone and Sandra dried her eyes, hugging Poppet hopefully. You haven't sent him away yet, have you? Jill asked anxiously. I've been speaking to Linda Arbuthnot and she says she would like to see Poppet but makes no promises, so... Please, can you hold on to him in the meantime? With a great sense of relief, Sandra put him back in the kennel and gave him a treat. The charity van departed. 
By luck, Jill had met Linda in the local shop that morning, and as they chatted, Jill mentioned Poppet's sad story and what was about to happen to him. Linda and her husband, Henry Arbuthnot, lived in a former gamekeeper's cottage on the nearby estate and already had two dogs that they adored. But Linda promised to discuss the matter with Henry over lunch. Henry and Linda came down to the surgery that very afternoon and everyone held their breaths. Sandra paraded Poppet in front of Linda as she assessed him. He's too big for a whippet and too small for a greyhound and his head is out of proportion to his body. She had summed him up perfectly and the staff braced themselves for another rejection. What did you say his name was? Poppet? That's a silly name if I ever heard one exclaimed Henry. Poppet looked at them and, gently wagging his tail, reached out and licked Henry's hand. A bond was instantly established between the two gentlemen and Poppet left the surgery, regally ensconced in the back seat of the car as he left for his new life. A month later, Steve and Jill were invited down to the cottage to see how Poppet was settling in. It was early evening and still light when they arrived. Poppet was lying stretched out in front of the fire between their other two dogs, Archie the Labrador and Jake the Jack Russell. They're all friends now, said Linda. Big, medium, and small, but medium has definitely become the boss. They all went for a walk in the parkland around the big house, and the dogs ran out in front with Archie in the lead, Poppet not far behind, and Jake with his little legs furiously trying to keep up. It looks as if Poppet's enjoying his new life, Steve remarked. Poppet be dashed, replied Henry. His name is Prince now. It was obvious that Prince was enjoying his new kingdom a far cry from being trapped in a wretched wet sack in a front garden in the village. The end. Thank you for listening to The Dog Who Would Be Prince, a short story written by Lewis Grant and read for you by me, Rachel Brosnahan. And if you enjoyed this story, please follow the link in the description to donate five pounds or five dollars to Geneco and support their COVID prevention efforts in Nigeria. What you hear is the sound of women in the town of Enuhu celebrating the opening of a new maternity center that Jinko built 
so that they can receive the high quality care they deserve during pregnancy. Jinko's mission is to save and transform lives in Africa. Along with helping vulnerable pregnant women, we also perform complex hip and knee replacements and minimally invasive surgeries in Nigeria. Through our David Ayelowo Leadership Scholarship for Girls, we provide full tuition, medical care, and social support for young female victims of terrorism and gender inequality. As COVID-19 takes fatal hold in Nigeria, we are proud to be one of the few charities fighting the pandemic at the grassroots level. We are donating tens of thousands of gloves, face masks, soap, sanitizer, and disinfectant to hundreds of nurses and traditional birth attendants. We are also training these heroic frontline healthcare workers on how to protect themselves, their pregnant patients, and newly delivered babies from the virus. And we haven't forgotten about impoverished school children quarantined in their villages with no means of mental stimulation, no smartphones, no computers, no access to school lessons or reading materials. So we are donating tablets preloaded with hundreds of books to students all across Nigeria. Your donation of $5 or five pounds makes all of this work possible. Thank you for helping us to keep these beautiful songs of joy and hope alive.